left, and there's just this huge, like, gaping hole. So that horrifying mid-flight nightmare was Alaska Airlines Flight 1282, which you've probably seen by now. But there's a lot more coming out now since the news initially broke. Right, it happened on Friday with a Boeing 737 MAX 9. You had 177 people on board as taking off from Portland, Oregon. And about six minutes in, while climbing at roughly 16,000 feet, a door plug near the back of the plane suddenly blows out. Whether it resulted in a rapid and explosive depressurization, or in other words, just like a big damn boom, it didn't result in what movies have taught me that a whole row of people would get sucked out of the plane. But you did have the entire plane rattling, lights flickering, oxygen masks dropping down, and people screaming helplessly, which, hey, if there is a time to scream, it's then. One passenger recalling the first thing I thought was I'm gonna die. Another sharing in a TikTok. We had no idea what was going on. I truly thought it was the engine. I thought an engine had blown out. A wing had gone down. Like that's how loud and like jolting that like second was that I thought we were going to nosedive at any second. For a full 15 to 20 minutes felt like a lifetime. I thought every second that went on, we were gonna start nosediving like those planes that went down a few years ago. But luckily, the plane doesn't nosedive. Instead, you see things like it rips headrests off their seats. Cell phones get sucked out of the plane. Were witnesses saying that there was a boy near this gaping hole that had his shirt torn off his body. And then it got sucked out while his mom was holding on to him to make sure he didn't follow. The cockpit door also immediately flew open. You know, a fun little surprise for the pilots. And apparently, you know, they put on their oxygen masks. They're like, hey, we gotta consult the checklist. It tells us exactly what to do in this moment. And then that checklist flew out the door behind them. You know, you got Flight attendants trying to shut the door. The checklist is gone, but the captain grabs a quick reference handbook instead. The crew makes an emergency distress call. They request permission to descend low enough for people to breathe without oxygen masks. This and thankfully, there were no serious injuries. They got back to the airport just 35 minutes after takeoff. So I imagine like in an ideal world, they wish they didn't have to deal with this, but best outcome possible. Though not for Boeing that makes the planes or the airlines that use them. Though honestly, this could have been so much worse. Right? Because reportedly, no one was sitting in 26A, 26B, which is where the door plug was. And luckily, the three passengers who reportedly had babies in their laps were far enough away. Also, they're lucky it actually happened when it happened. But right? if they had been at cruising altitude, which they were just minutes away, a number of passengers and crew likely would have unbuckled their seatbelts. And so in the wake of all this, the FAA was like, Boeing, what the fuck? And they ordered them to ground 171 of the 218 MAX 9 planes that are in operation, at least until they can be inspected. Without causing Boeing stock to nosedive, it canceled hundreds of scheduled flights. In fact, on my flight back from New York on Saturday, I ran into one of you beautiful bastards because they were actually scheduled to be on a MAX 9, but then had to get on our plane. You know, naturally, with this situation, you have a lot of people making comparisons right, to other recent disasters with the company's 737 MAX planes, with the most notable being in 2018 and 2019, two MAX 8s crashing on international flights, killing 346 people, which ended up with all MAX 8 and MAX 9 planes to be grounded worldwide for nearly two years. That is, until Boeing made changes to an automated flight control system. And this is just this last December, Boeing was urging airlines to check their 737 MAX jets for loose bolts because a discovery was made of at least two planes with improperly tightened nuts. And just as I was recording this, we're learning that United Airlines has reportedly found loose bolts and parts in at least five MAX 9s while inspecting the plug doors. And so of course, with this, one of the biggest questions is, well, what the hell happens from here? And the current answer is, uh, we actually don't have any fucking clue. As far as what we do know, the MAX 9 in question rolled off the assembly line and received its certification just two months ago, performing 145 flights since then. When the door plug blew out, that was actually the plane's third flight that day. Also, regarding the door, it has been found, with a school teacher only known as Bob discovering the door plug in his backyard. Which, honestly, I would pay good money to see what Bob's reaction was. Was it just a simple, straight-up, what the fuck? Or was it kind of like the, the blank stare of, did I did I get high and I don't remember it? There were also two cell phones found there, one in a backyard, the other on the side of the road. And actually, great news for one of the phone owners. The guy who spotted the second one said it was perfectly intact. It was still in airplane mode, it worked, it just had a severed charger. And he immediately knew where it came from because it opened to a page displaying baggage claim information for flight 1282. Also, we've seen some big updates 
athletes like NTSB chair Jennifer Hamandy revealing some crucial details during a press briefing, saying that the MAX 9's auto depressurization fail light lit up during three previous flights on December 7th, January 3rd, and January 4th, which could either mean that something was wrong with the pressurization or something was just wrong with the light. In these three previous flights, after the light illuminated, uh, they flipped the switch to alt mode, uh, which is normal. There's a backup. It was very benign. Uh, nothing occurred, very benign, the light illuminated, they flipped it, they reported it, it was tested uh, by maintenance, and then reset. As far as whether or not those incidents actually had anything to do with Flight 1282, currently we're getting a shoulder shrug. She said that she doesn't know. But she did disclose that Alaska Airlines imposed what's called an ETOPS restriction on that plane, or before the door plug incident, meaning that it was prevented from flying overseas to Hawaii so that if something went wrong, they'd be able to return to land quickly. And she also added that the airline had ordered an additional maintenance check for the fail light that was not completed before the incident. And so all of that seems to suggest that Alaska Airlines may have known that there was at least some sort of risk of failure. They just kept that MAX 9 flying anyway. But as we wait to see what else comes from this investigation, I got to pass the question off to you. What are your thoughts with this craziness? Like for you, is this a growing concern or do you see these situations as outliers that will figure themselves out? Or really, any of your thoughts. You know, I haven't seen you since uh, before Christmas, so I'd love to hear from you. And then, in social media news, you had Andrew Tate and Taylor Swift popping up. Andrew Tate allegedly choked a woman until she passed out and threatened to kill her. Would that be one of the biggest claims to come from this new documentary about her? It was also reportedly supposed to include interviews with Tate himself, but he apparently got arrested before that could happen. With the anonymous woman saying that he threatened to kill her, he said he owned her, he would pin her up against the wall. Though this, as a Tate spokesperson, denied the allegation, saying his encounters have always been consensual. We're still waiting to find out when his trial over human trafficking allegations is going to start. And then, as far as Taylor Swift, well, a lot of the conversations now focused on Joe Coy, who absolutely bombed at the Golden Globes last night. Though that was for a number of reasons. When people didn't laugh at his jokes, he said, or maybe joked, that the ones that weren't funny were from the writers. With some of the dumb ones being about Barbie and also Taylor Swift. But prior to that, a lot of people were angry about Taylor Swift in the New York Times. And that's because they ran this opinion piece by Anna Marks, which was titled, Look What We Made Taylor Swift Do. And in it, they heavily speculate that Taylor is a closeted queer woman. And in this, you know, the author says that Taylor's been making regular hints to this in her music, arguing, you know, if there were only one or two references over the years, then whatever. But then arguing, when combined, they suggest to queer people that she is one of us. They also suggest that her art may be far more complex than the eclipsing nature of her celebrity may allow, even now. And trying to back that up by arguing, you know, Taylor Swift has often encouraged fans to search for clues, search for Easter eggs in her work. And while some were like, hey, this could be an interesting exploration into how the biggest artist on the fucking planet might still feel forced to hide her sexuality. But the vast majority of fans have been pissed off. And a source close to Taylor reportedly saying, there seems to be no boundary some journalists won't cross when writing about Taylor, regardless of how invasive, untrue, and inappropriate it is, all under the protective veil of an opinion piece. You also had country singer Shelley Wright, where she was mentioned in the editorial because she's a gay singer who was once closeted and she actually nearly took her life, slamming this story, writing, I think it was awful of the New York Times to publish, triggering for me to read, not because the writer mentioned my nearly ending my life, but seeing a public person's sexuality being discussed is upsetting. And personally, I'll say, you know, I understand there's a conversation to be had around gay bait. If you've never watched a show, it's over now, but it's called The Other Two. They have a fantastic episode where they take on the topic. But Taylor, whether she's telling the truth or not, which it doesn't fucking matter to me, nor should it matter to anyone. As previously said, you know, she tries to advocate for the LGBTQ plus community, which she says is a community that I'm not a part of. So I get, for the most part, Taylor Swift equals views. Because yeah, an opinion piece might actually make sense if she did come out and say some things and it's like, wow, that that's crazy in retrospect. But when you push these conversations in major publications, it's, it's very close, if not exactly, trying to push someone out of a closet they may or may not be in. And is that the environment you want to create? But from that, we're going to talk about more news you need to know today after I pay some 
and bills. Because for any of you focused on getting your business off the ground, creating a place to share your homemade goods, or even a personal blog, I got a great solution for you. And it comes from, and I want to thank the fantastic sponsor of today's show, Squarespace. And y'all know I've been partnering with Squarespace for years now. And a big part of that is just how accessible it is. It's so easy. Like, there's nothing to install, patch, or update ever. And creating a beautiful website with Squarespace's Fluid Engine, it's so easy. You're just dragging things where you like. No coding necessary. And if you need a starting point like I did when I first tried it, Squarespace has a bunch of great professional templates. Also, I mean, you can even sell custom merch easily. Squarespace handles all the production and shipping. Plus, with Squarespace, you get access to all their marketing tools and analytics. Plus, their award-winning customer care team via email or live chat 24-7. So go check it out. See why so many love it. See why you're going to love it. And start your free trial today over at squarespace.com slash fill. Just make sure you enter an offer code fill for 10% off your first purchase. And then, y'all need to stop freaking out about Stanley Tumblers. Also, if you're not a part of this group, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to loop you into this. Because it's not just cringy stuff like people making Stanleys their whole fucking personality. But we're seeing situations where people are getting trampled for Stanley. You know, someone actually bought one for me recently, has my name on it. I was like, oh, cool. Kind of keeps my water cold. Saw that video where that woman's car was completely totaled. The Stanley remains supreme. And in a genius marketing move, Stanley actually bought that woman a new car. And all this attention, this craze, has resulted in Stanley revenue absolutely skyrocketing to $750 million in 2023. And if you like the cup, cool. But when videos start popping up where people are literally stampeding a target to buy a limited edition Valentine's Day Stanley cup, it makes you wonder, did these people go fucking crazy? Oh, Stanley made a new limited edition cup in collaboration with Starbucks? Time to Heisman a five-year-old. And the craze there wasn't just around that one target. You had people sharing videos of themselves literally camping outside of the stores like it was Black Friday 10 years ago. And when you dive into this, like you realize there's this whole alternate world. People posting videos sharing their massive collections. People bragging that they have a Stanley cup to match every outfit. Which also, I gotta say, maybe I'm a dumb fuck for saying this. I thought part of maybe the mission, but at least the idea of having something like a Stanley is, hey, you know, plastic's bad. Let me just have this metal tumbler that I refill and I make myself feel like, hey, I'm, I'm doing less harm to the planet. But I guess, I don't know, capitalism's gonna capitalism? You know, it might be weird that I'm saying this. I have numerous businesses. I try to sell things to people. I hope that they like it. But I don't know, I find myself thinking about something. Someone more thoughtful originally said it. But it feels like we as a society have gotten to this place where our consumerism defines us. And not only that, we've gotten to a place where we're excited to be advertised to. Take the Super Bowl, for example. There are gonna be people that wanna watch football. There are gonna be people that wanna watch that halftime show. And then there are people that are gonna tune into that just to see the new ads. And for many, it ends up going even further where like our value or happiness, at least our idea of happiness in life as a human, somehow gets tangled up into how good of a consumer we are. Like, does what I'm saying make sense or does it, is it just the ramblings of an old man? And then Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. We're just eight days into the new year and things have kicked off, which is to be expected, but there's so much news. It's easy to miss stuff. Some of the things are just absolutely wild, but really there's no reason to expect anything less for the rest of the year. But luckily, I got you. And we'll start with the continued efforts we're seeing to get Trump off the ballot. Right, the idea being that he led an insurrection, so he's not qualified to be on the ballot. And here, for all you visual learners, Axios actually provided a handy-dandy map of the current status of the state's effort. We're seeing no challenges in 17 states, challenges dismissed in 13, decision or appeals pending in 19, and Trump, of course, disqualified so far in Maine and Colorado. But the Supreme Court, as of last Friday, officially taking up Trump's appeal regarding Colorado. Also on the note of January 6th, we actually got more footage of the peaceful protesters. You know, those kind folks who were taking a non-violent, good intention tour of the Capitol. We gotta hang a bunch of crooked congressmen. We'll do that. You guys could get the same listen, paycheck when listen. the government gets replaced with real governors. Yeah. You also had a lot of people fighting about Ashley Bass. But among other things, people sharing drastically different videos of her. Some where it appears like she's marching and she's calmly talking to the camera. Others where she's hysterically yelling at the camera while driving. Every single one of you politicians in California, Gavin Newsom, Jerry Brown, Maxine Waters, Duncan Hunter, what the hell are you doing? And that, of course, in addition to the footage showing numerous angles and moments leading up to Ashley Babbitt getting shot. And with that, we also learned that Ashley Babbitt
Kravitz family is suing, filing a $30 million lawsuit, arguing Ashley posed no threat to the safety of anyone. Though that, as many agree that the footage actually shows that it was a completely justified shooting. And others noting that a Capitol Police investigation found that Capitol Police Lieutenant Michael Byrd, he followed department policy and violated no laws. But also, you know, bigger picture regarding the other people there, specifically the 1,265 people who have been charged so far and the roughly 750 who have been sentenced for their criminal involvement on January 6th, we've been getting to see a range of reactions. You've had the likes of Christian Pastor Bill Cook speaking to the FBI agents arresting January 6th insurrectionists. And so I want to say to my friends in the FBI, keep doing it because death is about to execute a no-knock warrant on you. On you, He's going to invade your domicile, this body, and take you out of it. And when he does, you're going to stand before God. It's not going to be pleasant. Meanwhile, you've got Trump calling them mistreated hostages, which also based off of a recent Stefanik interview makes me feel like this is how they're going to be trying to frame the situation. Trump also calling for their release and vowing to pardon them if he's elected. And while many of you watching probably find that absolutely crazy, that it is absolutely revisionist history to call these people who attacked the Capitol hostages or because they're being held accountable. But that has very much become the major and popular Republican opinion. With in fact, not only nearly 70% of Republicans believing Biden's 2020 election win was not legitimate, but two thirds supporting pardons for people who forced their way into the Capitol. But possibly the most concerning polling was across party lines. With not only 70% believing that US democracy is under threat, but about half expecting violence over future presidential elections. And while I'm definitely among those because I have eyes and ears, depending on the person, they have these beliefs for very different reasons. And in fact, political violence has become such a topic since January 6th. Joe Biden actually spoke on it over the weekend while Trump and Biden were taking swings at each other. And with Trump, we saw him try to frame Biden's speech as him just like stuttering and struggling through it. That's why Crooked Joe is staging his pathetic fear-mongering campaign event in Pennsylvania today. Did you see him? He was stuttering through the whole thing. He's going, to Bob, got a, he's a threat to democracy. And him doing that between like other random dumb shit he was saying. Like he randomly started talking about magnets. They had an almost billion dollar cost overrun on the magnetic elevators. Think of it, magnets. Now, all I know about magnets is this. Give me a glass of water. Let me drop it on the magnets. That's the end of the magnets. Why didn't they use John Deere? Why didn't they bring in the John Deere people? Do you like John Deere? I like John Deere. Well, that clip eventually got community noted, please, for the love of God, know that that is not how magnets work. But then, like with Biden's speech, there were numerous big things that he hit on. With at one point, Biden seeming to stop himself from calling Trump a sick fuck. Political violence is never, ever acceptable in the United States political system. Never, never, never. It has no place in a democracy, none. You can't be pro-insurrectionist and pro-American. You know, Trump and his MAGA supporters not only embrace political violence, but they laugh about it. At his rally, he jokes about an intruder whipped up by the big Trump lie, taking a hammer to Paul Pelosi's skull and echoing the very same words used on January 6th. Where's Nancy? And he thinks that's funny. He laughed about it. What a sick... Biden pointing out that Donald Trump's rhetoric has really started sounding a little familiar. He talks about the blood of America as being poisoned, echoing the same exact language used in Nazi Germany. He proudly posts on social media the words that best describe his 2024 campaign, quote, revenge, quote, power, and quote, dictatorship. There's no confusion about who Trump is. And Biden also talking about how Republican politicians and conservative media have just flip-flopped on January 6th. When the attack on January 6th happened, there was no doubt about the truth. At the time, even Republican members of Congress and Fox News commentators publicly and privately condemned the attack. As one Republican senator said, Trump's behavior was embarrassing and humiliating for the country. But now that same senator and those same people have changed their tune. As time has gone on, gone on, politics, fear, money, 
All have intervened. And now these MAGA voices who know the truth about Trump on January 6th have abandoned the truth and abandoned the democracy. They made their choice. Now the rest of us, Democrats, independents, mainstream Republicans, we have to make our choice. I know mine, and I believe I know America's. We'll defend the truth, not give in to the big lie. We'll embrace the Constitution and the Declaration, not abandon it. We'll honor the sacred cause of democracy, not walk away from it. Today, I make this sacred pledge to you, the defense, protection, and preservation of American democracy will remain as it has been the central cause of my presidency. And with all that said, you know, you're generally up to date. Granted, this whole situation is gonna be the dumpster fire that does not stop giving and won't stop giving, even though you wanna get off the ride. But in a world with so much noise and misinformation, I got you covered. And I'll be with you this year through the chaos because it's the most important one since the last one and the, the one before that. <sighs> and that is essentially where I'm gonna end today's show except for this last thing. This is just me speaking to you because I know I kind of just dove straight into the news. First daily show back of the year. Welcome back. I hope you had a fantastic Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate that the new year is treating you well so far. I had a great break. I essentially did nothing for a while here and hung out with my kids. And last week we went to New York for a few days, ended up seeing some like Broadway shows. Wicked was awesome. Six was phenomenal. In fact, everything was great about the break until ugh, last night or I guess this morning at 1 a.m. I woke up with some sort of stomach bug. I was just ugh, was throwing up for like hours. But fingers crossed, I think uh, I think I'm on. I'm slowly on the, the mend. It's feeling like one of those 24 hour things. And don't worry, I'll see you tomorrow because these first weeks back are always tricky. It's like trying to catch up on things while, while trying to include all the things that are happening. But that said, thank you for being a part of this one. I love yo faces and I'll see you right back here tomorrow.